Hi, my name is Linda Alterwitz. This is Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. Welcome to Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. I'm your host, Will Rucker, and joining the podcast today is an incredible human being. She is an artist, a philanthropist, a survivor, and her story will inspire you. My aim with this podcast is to amplify messages of hope and of love, and of course, to spread compassion to make our city, Las Vegas, a more compassionate place to live, to work, and to play. And this conversation, I think, is going to get us one step closer uh, because, again, this individual is absolutely incredible, and I'm so grateful that she's joining us today. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Linda to the podcast. Welcome, Linda. Uh, thank you. It's, it's really nice to be here. Nice. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, I am too. So glad to have you. I actually became acquainted with you through another organization I'm a part of because of your generosity. And so we'll get into that in just a bit. But before we do, I just want to set the tone that you are open and you are revolutionary and you are artistic and genius, I would even say. And the work that you are doing is is shifting the world in a very real and tangible way. So I just want to say thank you for what you are contributing to our, our planet and our home. And with that, I want to have some insight from you on how you view compassion. So what does compassion mean to you? It means getting into the community, becoming part of a community, engaging others in thoughtfulness, mindfulness, um, to make the world a better place. Mm, I like that. You remind me of the Michael Jackson song, Heal the World, Make <laughs> It a Better Place. That's, I mean, it's so simple, but it's so powerful. And the way that you frame that, I think, gives us a good foundation for our conversation. So for those that don't know you, would you just take a, a moment and introduce yourself and the work that you're doing here in Las Vegas? I'm a visual artist. Uh, I do exhibitions, um, installations, a lot of different things. I've been doing this for decades. Um, I exhibit my work locally, nationally, and internationally. And uh, my work really has to do with the, the boundaries of art and science how we as humans, our relationship to the environment. That's what my work is about. So I, I can't really say there's a, a style to my work. It's more, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to say it, um, a concentration. That's an interesting way to put it. And you do have a very wide range of projects. The one that I became familiar with is your project, Breathe. And could you mm -hmm. share a little bit about how that was birthed? What, what inspired you to create that project and how has it taken shape? 
I have been focusing on the uh, internal rhythms of the human body. And one of our most basic internal rhythms is breath, breathing as we up and down, up and down, our chest rises and falls. Um, and that really is about being alive and being grateful for being alive. Um, and it's proof that we are living when we're breathing. Uh, it is a project that started as a mistake, actually. My husband and I were on vacation and we were at the Dominican Republic. Um, and my favorite part of being at the Dominican Republic was being at the beach at nighttime, the serenity to it. And I, as a photographer, I always have a camera with me. And I was trying to photograph the waves and a longer uh, uh, exposure with a digital camera. And I had this really flimsy tripod. I had my digital camera on there and I was doing a 10 second exposure. And the camera within 10 seconds, uh, it kind of fell into the sand, kind of started moving slowly into the sand. And when I looked into my camera, it was the moving stars. I'm going, well, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's really interesting. And then I just started thinking about it, about the time, the motion, the movement of the stars. And I thought, well, how else could I get this? And my husband was there with me and David was laying on the sand. And I said, David, just humor me for a second. I'm going to put the camera, I'm going to put the camera on your, on your chest. And, and all I want you to do is just breathe. And so he goes, okay. So as he breathed for 30 second exposure, the, the, uh, his breath was going up and down about five times. And on the sensor of my camera, I was recording the movement of the stars. And it was such a, I recognized I've got something here. And it was so peaceful. And it captured such a moment for me, for David, uh, that it, I started a project. And I had over 200 participants all around the world and uh, bringing it together in large installations of Just Breathe. Amazing. I have all the feels, the goosebumps, everything <laughs> happening right now. That is such a divine intervention in your art, connecting that human breath to the stars. That is amazing. Wow. What have others responded? Like, I know I'm, I'm out here like tripping out with you, <laughs> but how have others responded to, to your work in that, in that vein? Well, uh, an organization that it really resonated with was the Mayo Clinic. Um, and they are strong. They have a very strong arts and medicine program uh, in, in all three of their locations. But the one I worked with as an artist in residence was the Mayo Clinic uh, in Florida. Um, so this is just a really good experience I'd like to share, if that's okay. Please, yeah. um, so I went there for a week as an artist residence. And for those of you who may not know what an artist residence in art is, you will go to a different location and you will engage with the community. And in this case, I engaged with the, uh, the doctors, the medical students, the nursing students and staff, and, uh, and the community with this project, Just Breathe. Um, 
so it was a, a, an incredible experience. Uh, and I got to talk about it and come back the next uh, few months later and show an exhibition and talk to the people at a seminar. It was really an incredible experience. So it really resonated with the doctors, medical students, nurses, community as a way to connect with yourself, to uh, be appreciative of your life that you have, that you are alive. And for, for those in the healthcare uh, profession, there's a lot of uh, to, what there is to gain from this meditative process is empathy, um, getting away from, I mean, if I can try to explain when, especially the medical students, when they were in the room with me and we were talking about this project, they were twiddling their thumbs, looking this way and that way. It's like, oh my God, can I get back to you know, the real work. By the end of the project, they were relaxed. They were all lying on, uh, you know, on the grass at Mayo Clinic with, I had uh, four uh, photographers helping me with the cameras on their chests, looking up into the sky. And they changed, they transformed during this. It was not a long time, about an hour we had, but there was a transformation. And that's what I'm trying to get a transformation so others can feel the empathy that maybe their busy lives don't allow them to uh, to feel. And, and, and from there, it goes to their patients, you know, the empathy they can show to their patients, the doctors, the nurses. So I feel I, like I'm doing a good thing, especially in, for everyone, but especially in the healthcare uh, community. Yeah, that's an amazing story. So thank you for sharing it. With doctors and nurses, I do a lot of work as well, and it's it's such a difficult profession in so many different ways, from the red tape internally to the emotional toll to just just the nature of the work itself. But taking that moment to breathe is transformative, and it is connecting, and it's grounding. And I love that you literally had them on the ground doing this. Like that's just on the ground. Level. <laughs> we actually used hospital blankets these white hospital blankets laid them out and they laid on the blankets on the grass and they're in their smocks it was great yes that's that's fantastic i hope you got photos of them laying as well so oh yeah but that's that's important and i, I try to help people to breathe just take that moment to take a deep breath in and it just resets you and allows you to think clearly and helps to break you out of that fight or flight reaction and response and allows you to, to actually be human again. So when you mention empathy, I see empathy as the, the true nature of humanity, where we're really able to feel and sense and be in another person's place. We don't have to actually experience it. We, we have these really amazing faculties that allow us to imagine it and then to mm -hmm. sense it and feel it in a real way. So I'm glad you brought that empathy up. How has this breathing work transformed you personally? All of my work is not as relaxing and as comfortable and meditative as the project Just Breathe. A lot of it I work with scans, medical scans, and um, the internal rhythms of our human body that are more graphic, like EKGs, EEGs, things like that. So the Just Breathe project was 
very comforting to me. It was a respite from the intensity of the other of, of some of my other projects. So I like to go from intense to calm, um, meditative, and then I'll go back. It'll recharge me to go back into some more difficult work, nice. where the yeah the uh, topics might be a little bit more challenging. Yeah, and you just kind of gave us a little strain. So tell us about these these images that you're you're referring to, the more intense side of the work. Well, um, right now I'm working with the internal, as I said, the internal uh, rhythms of the human body. And um, okay, I'll talk about this this recent project I'm working on. It's called Self Without Interpretation. I actually have an EEG. It's the the brain scan device. And it's a participatory project, just like Just Breathe. Uh, I put a, have volunteers, uh, and I put the brain, the uh, EEG device, on a 16 sensor, on a participant's head. It's a calm environment. It's in my studio, and I ask them six minutes of questions. They're not to answer. They're just thinking about it, and as I record uh, their brain waves, and the topic this six minute uh, talk questions is love and loss. So your eyes are shut. I'm recording your brain waves. There's this device on your head and um, I'm taking notes of your body language of this and that. And you just close your eyes and listen and think. And that's pretty intense in itself because six minutes, you can go on a big journey of love and loss when it's intense and you've got a, a medical piece of medical equipment on your head and it's being recorded. Um, so that's one project. I will take a piece of that EEG um, and I print it on a piece of medical gauze, a large sheet of medical gauze, and I bring it to nature. And it is this uh, joining. Uh, of the nature and the brain waves is what I'm investigating right now. I bring it to the person's place of sanctuary. That is my new project. I, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to visualize <laughs> this. So <laughs> we'll have to see it when you, when you debut it. But you, you mentioned a couple of phrases that were really intriguing. The, the natural rhythms of the human body. That's just... So I also have a musical background and I've done marching band and things like that. So rhythm is, is a big part and, you know, church music and, and all of these things where, where that rhythm is really the, the foundation and the driver of the mood, the, the atmosphere, all of these pieces. But to think about the body's rhythm, you've got the heartbeat, which it, it elevates as you become excited or afraid. And then your breathing does the same. You have this general relaxed pace when you relax, but it can increase in, in speed as you become more intense. And so these rhythms within our body that we can be aware of um, are, are fascinating, but you take it to the next level with brain waves because we we know our thoughts, but we don't really, you know, we, we, what are you thinking about? I don't really know what I was thinking about. But now you have this way to capture those thoughts and see it on 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 film. That is is a I'm processing this as we go, so forgive me for not being that articulate with it. Uh, but I'm just seeing the the impact that this could have on a person to mm -hmm. to see it in this way where it bypasses some of that intellect and those barriers that we've established. Like, well, I'm I'm fine. You know, I don't want to discuss emotion or whatever it may be, but to see it in an artistic frame and say, wow. 
when I looked at this, something changed, something happened. Right. And that's the moment I capture is when it makes the, the, the sawtooth waves get bigger or, well, the project is called Self Without Interpretation because I, I cannot interpret these EEGs. But I do see patterns and I see differences and emotion of people and, and the changes. And I try to capture those more interesting visual aspects of the EEG. I like the without interpretation piece of this because sometimes we just need to be and just to, to be heard or to share space with someone without having, you know, that psychoanalysis happening. Like, and here's the answer or, you know, whatever it may be, just to be so self without interpretation. Just, I think that's incredible. How did you get into art to begin with, to become a visual artist? What sparked that for you? Oh, gosh. Um, I think I had a talent for art when I was a young girl, uh, very, very young. And my mom was an artist and she would, uh, we'd have a basement and she had an easel for me in paints and just let me go. So got me some art, said, okay, she's got something here. I'll get her some art classes. And I just really loved it. And uh, it was really my mom who encouraged me a lot to, to keep going and, uh, it was what I was really good at. So I went to uh, undergrad school and grad school uh, for a master's of fine art um, in painting and drawing, actually. And it's only been like the last 14 years I've been using photography as a tool. Do you integrate your, your uh, hand drawings and your, your painting with your photography, or do you see that as something you'll do in the future? I do sometimes. Uh, it hasn't really... I, I hope to get something concrete with it someday. It's an option. Right now, I'm, it's an option. I'm, open. I'm open to it, but I'm really more fascinated with high technology, um, thermal imaging, uh, love, just love high technology. And yeah, I like to keep up with that. That's what I love. Very nice. And that's such a, at least for me, that's a, a unique way of expression. And, you know, I, I consider myself to be a younger individual. So technology is part of, of my makeup and, and something I've always had at my hand. But when I think of art, I don't naturally go to using some of the tools and uh instruments that you you've chosen for for expression i think that that's really fascinating and and something that really can help us just generally to integrate more of these technological pieces into our education system particularly for women and uh, persons of color who are not necessarily at the forefront of the technological field so have you given that part of it any thought of how this may inspire others to, to venture even into technology as a, a form of self-expression? Um, I hope that what I do uh, encourages others to, you know, like, look what she's doing. I want to do something like that. I hope that what I do encourages that. And I, you know, I, I really think a lot about the dualities of art and science. That's really where my focus is. Um, and I encourage others to do that as well. Uh, I write for a magazine, a uh, column on art and science. And I, 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 you put, I was thinking about this, you put art with science 
And they're, they're very different. It's two different ways of looking at the world. You put them in the same arena and there's some friction. But what that friction creates is an energy. And what that energy does, it offers us different ways of looking at the world. It offers us different ways of asking questions. That's the key for me, is sharing that. Let's think of different questions. Let's think of maybe there's going to be some different answers if we ask different questions. So that's what really gets me going. And that's what I hope I can share with others is to get them thinking a little differently. What I love about what you just said is that that friction creates energy. That's, that's something we need to really own and recognize. And then the integration of really, I'm thinking left and right brain or emotion and yes. intellect, becoming mm -hmm. a whole person. You're doing that and you're helping others to know that it's possible in ways that in my line of work, I don't articulate it through that way. I don't use your lens, but you can speak this language in a way that others who may not necessarily be receptive to something we call it mind body medicine or spirituality or any of these other terms that are in my wheelhouse, they may not be receptive to that. But the way that you integrate it gives us a new way to ask questions, which that's that's my job, right? To ask questions. And so framing them in new ways and just seeing the different perspectives. And again, to, to refer to your previous work without interpretation. So without judgment, with, without um, any of those things that we're, we're bringing to the table, it's just open and allowing ourselves to really experience that present and to, to go back one step further to just breathe. Breathing for me is how I connect to the moment to stay in that now and to really be consciously aware of where I am at that time. So all of these pieces for me are really just ministry. They are spirituality. They are revolutionary. It's, it's something that I do believe people are going to take note of and really begin to to take, take it into their hearts. And art has a way of reaching the heart uh, that others just, just don't. Yes. So Linda, I've got a, a big question for you. How did you get into art and science? Wow, okay. <laughs> There's a big answer to a big question. Um, <laughs> in 19, let's see, in the 80s. No, 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 in the 90s, in the 90s. I had a brain tumor. Um, and I was going to the doctors every three months to get an MRI of my brain. And I would take the film in those days, my doctor at Cedar sign, I'd like to see the film. So I get a copy of the film. I'd take a flight and go to Cedar Sinai and, and have a discussion with my doctor, how things are going every three months. One time I went over to Cedar Sinai. And my doctor looked at it, looked at the blood work, looked at the, the film, put a circle around that little tumor and said, something's wrong here. Did you go to the same machine that you've always been going to? And I said, no, they were booked up. They sent me somewhere else. He goes, oh, they'll take these home, go back, go to the same machine and come back, bring me the new film. So it was that 
moment when I had the courage to look inside of my own brain and I put my film with this red china marker circling the little tumor on my light box and saw the inside of my brain, I was hooked. I said, oh my God, this is me. This is, you know, we don't, this is the unseen. We don't, we don't see this of ourselves unless there's a problem. You know, usually you don't go in for something like that. And it was at that moment, everything changed for me. Uh, I couldn't collect other people's brains, but what I could do was get uh, canine x-rays. Started small, you know, had the names cut out, so there was no identity. And I started photographing canine and cat x-rays and blending it with the environment. And there was that duality of, you know, two things, maybe a fear factor from the x-rays, things we don't see usually, and the environment. And putting these two in that arena I was discussing before. And what are the questions? What are the feelings that, that arise? From there, uh, you, know, you get, I got a one person show, I got this and that. And then I, I started to be able to, to get some uh, other kind of x-rays, human x-rays, MRIs, things like that. Uh, working with organizations and a lot of signatures to get people's uh, scans and start working with that. So that was, and it just grew, grew and grew and grew. I got some work into the Smithsonian Magazine and from there it grew and grew and grew. And then it went to finally where it is now, myself taking EEGs of participants and doing that process myself and looking into the internal rhythms of our bodies and, and joining it with landscape and seeing, investigating what, what will happen, what questions arise, what feelings happen. So many people begin their journeys because of that personal experience. So thank mm -hmm. you for, for sharing that. And this, this potentially tragic situation really turned into something that has given life and, and a new creation for, for all of us to be blessed by. So that's incredible. It was an amazing transformative moment in my life. And I'm so glad it happened because it has fueled my life with meaning um, to share with others and uh, hope. And look, look what it did. You know, yeah. I'm fine now. I don't, you know, I don't always talk about that, but it wasn't, wasn't that I wasn't feeling good. It, it's what happened. It was what transformed inside of me. That was kind of amazing because of that. You can look at it two ways. Is the cup half empty? Is the cup half full? Mm -hmm. And I always choose that it's half full. I love that. And that's a great practice is to, to make that decision to see things in, in that more positive light and to, to allow all circumstances to, to be our teachers in a sense. Yep. That's incredible. Agreed. So Linda, I want to do a, a quick 
um, kind of exercise that I, I like for, for our guests to do. And it's, I'll say the start of a sentence and I'd like you just finish it for me. Okay. So, <laughs> and I, I promise it's not too hard. Okay. Um, the first one is simply, I feel loved when. I'm with my family. Beautiful. Compassion is important because. It helps us move forward. Art means. Growth and. A different way of seeing the world. Last one. I'm here because. I have a lot to say through my art. Do you think that being an artist has helped you to be more in touch with others? Or I could ask that a different way in saying, how has art shaped your connection to humanity? Yes, it definitely has shaped my connection. Um, integrating with other artists, collaborating with organizations. Um, it's kind of like you're on a path and that path moves forward and it branches off and you, it just keeps branching and branching and you go to more communities, more people. Um, yeah. I think something like that. It just keeps moving forward and uh, it grows within you. Yeah, it definitely does. In my experience, whether it's visual arts, whether it's dance, music, theater, uh, even directing, you know, those sort of things, there's a, a in-touchness, I'm making up a word here. There's an in-touchness that comes with it because as you mentioned that collaboration and this awareness of self as it relates to a larger picture, kind of that idea of being a whole on, I think that's embedded in the arts because of the nature of what it is. There's, there's no art alone in a sense. Art is very personal and it is really one of those things that demands a community. So I think that that's, that's how that, that gets framed um, in the context of our conversation here. The next thing I want to dive into is your work as a philanthropist. As I mentioned at the start of our conversation, I became aware of your work because you reached out and said, I want to donate to this organization. I think that this project is aligned with your mission and I want to, to help move your mission forward. Why is philanthropy important to you? That's something I was raised with. My mom and dad, uh, They've owned furniture stores throughout their lives um, and have always become embedded within the community. Giving back to the community has always been something that they have done and taught me and my uh, siblings to do. It's part of our DNA. And that's why I reached out. Okay, who, who can I help? I'm doing a book. How can we, you know, uh, who can we help benefit? You know, it's just, you know, part of, part of who I am. 
You, and you you say it that way. It's like, of course, that, that's just, just how it is. And I think that that's amazing because for some people, it's a tall order to, to make that type of ask. And it's not second nature. It's not something they grew up with. So sometimes we take for granted some of the things that we receive from our parents' examples or just from our life experiences. I think that it's absolutely beautiful that yours is, oh, I've got this this project. How can I further integrate into the community with it? That's, that's beautiful. And it made sense with the breathing and the American, you know, the American Lung Association. It's just like, how can breathing help another organization? You know, this, this book, uh, the profits from this book, how can, how can we help? Yeah. yeah, beautiful. So Linda, I want people to be able to connect with you. What is the best way for them to see this art that we've been talking about and to hear more of your story and, and just become connected and be a part of your community? Well, I do have a couple of websites. It's my name, lindaalterwitz.com. And it's uh, complete. You know, anything you want to see is there. Um, there's another website called earthbornexhibit.com. That's all about Just Breathe and, and another project called 40 Moons by a collaborative artist, Elizabeth Stone. Uh, that's, yeah, it has all the information there and more. I have uh, some videos and all the work is pretty organized. Okay, so two websites. Are you on social media as well? Oh yeah, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, Linda Alternates. It's easy to find, yeah. Nice. I love and when it's, it's simple. <laughs> it's yeah. my name, just find simple. me at my name. <laughs> Beautiful, well, we're, we're gonna send that out. We'll put a link in the description so people have immediate access to both websites and of course your social media pages. I, I've just spent, you know, hours on end going through like your, your Instagram and looking at these these incredible works because it's so unique and it's not something that um, until I encountered you, I had ever seen. So uh, my last question for you, and it's one that I, I ask every guest, and it's really a chance to get a summation of how you see yourself in this moment. And the question is simply this, how are you embodying compassion in Las Vegas today? Of course, through my work, through that arena of art and science, through the energy and offering people to ask different questions, to think differently, to think outside the box. I believe that my work encourages a different point of view. And we can leave it there. All right. You know, these are issues of huge importance that need to be corrected in our in our community to really open the door to housing for for everyone right when we say you know everyone deserves housing everyone needs housing it's not just about you know brick and mortar buildings which obviously we need more of but it's how do we make sure that there's an open door for everyone and right now in our community there's so many people who cannot access housing for those reasons and we had to fix that